This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. Okay, so we have a fun little discussion today. Uh, our textual Don't we always have fun little discussions? Always friends? have fun they little discussions. Finally, Brent wakes but this up. One, this one actually surprised. Oh, you son of a bitch. What did you just say, Alan? I think. Um, this one actually surprised me because this is how I've sort of deemed myself for many for many years, but I had no idea that there was a term for this. So in mid-May, Grinder added a position called side, uh, a designation that upends the binary that has historically dominated gay male culture. Sides are men who find fulfillment in every kind of sexual act except anal penetration. Uh, inst- Elliot's plugging his ears. Uh, instead, <laughs> instead, they find a broad range of oral, manual, and frictional body techniques provide a release that's rich in emotional, body physical. Yeah, I know that's that one. That one actually made, made me a little that. light, a little lightheaded. And it's called outer course. Um, but I've I've sort of alluded to this on the podcast before. I'm not completely averse to. Uh, AP anal penetration, but I definitely don't instantly jump to yeah. it. And for me, I have to be extraordinarily comfortable. And like, there's all these factors that have, like the I always said, the stars have to align for yeah. for that to be. Uh, Pitch so anyway, black, it's actually shirts been... on. <laughs> he, the partner doesn't speak English. I feel like most people, the partner doesn't speak English. I feel like, I feel like most people the vast majority of people recognize that it is actually difficult to prepare for anal sex and that when you are preparing for a penetrative text, it is, it is an ordeal for most people. I do have some friends that are just like crazy ready to go whenever right. they go and they love it. <laughs> right. And it's so wonderful. And Elliot, we, we appreciate you. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but I, but, but I think the, the vast majority maybe don't not like it or don't not, enjoy it as much but they but they recognize that it is a, an annoyance in everyday life to get ready for for sure and and that's actually it's funny because it, it over the years you know generally when i when i hook up with guys which happens very rarely these days but historically when i do hook up with guys i very rarely will do anal especially the first time and i have basically never had someone seem super mad like put yeah. off or like surprised i just feel like it's understood that like especially if you're meeting at a bar documentary you have on in the background that's why they're not <laughs> the, 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 uh, an episode of air disasters playing in the background is, 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 is an uh, or a repeat of the flame, plane hitting the first time the north tower <laughs> but i think it's so interesting that it's so interesting that we're like really are i think because there's no formal sex education that's taught to kids 
queer kids, uh, queer, yeah. but kids in general, yeah. but, all, but especially queer kids. It really is, even to this day, a sort of a game of piecing together from this and that yeah. and then porn obviously informs a lot of that and sort of you know using the internet and asking around and maybe you have some sort of mentor who explains this to you yeah, or you know that right. kind of type but ultimately it's never i have another friend who also i would i would i think he would potentially identify with the same thing but sex but sex is not his go-to mm-hmm. and he's always been like it's so weird that it's like that i feel different because of that you almost feel guilty in some circles guilty, oh, yes yeah guilty. it's this it's this oh sorry Elliot. no i'm just saying it's it's it, the fact that you would feel guilty is pretty crazy just because yeah. it has been so established that anal is like what we do how it works you know and, yeah. and it's even more i think it's probably even more complicated for for gay women when it comes to like strap-ons yeah. or not strap-ons eating you know all right. of these right. things. It's like, See, that's the thing i don't think women and this is where and brent's gonna love me for saying this but this is where i think the patriarchy oh, okay because women i and at least i mean I'm, I'm speaking in general terms but for my lesbian friends but they don't necessarily feel the press because it's it's only men who put on this idea that Right. Lesbians must love a strap on or lesbians mm-hmm. must love a dildo when it's like, the, I mean, I think it's pretty fair to say the vast majority of sex is non-penetrative amongst right. sex and right. and for women and for men and, and and any other gender out there. And it's and I think they don't have that pressure, whereas because of toxic masculinity, we are told that the only way there's to a need for this as a man yeah is to stick your dick in something I, right. you know what's interesting to dominate I, to dominate and yeah. that's not and 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 then of course we play these two roles within the queer community amongst you know men or men anyone who that that okay if you receive well then you are the femme or you're the you're the mm. bottom like you have to have this more delicate role yeah if you're the top then you're you're masculine you're dominant it's like Fuck all of that. Mm-hmm. None of that matters. That's all toxic masculinity. But it's so ingrained. It's, it's so also ingrained. like this is, you know, I've talked sort of, you know, pretty um, uh, discreetly with some people, some friends over the years about this preference of mine mm-hmm. uh, being aside, I guess. Uh, and I've had some even amongst friends and not not even gay people. I've had some like surprisingly negative reactions from people. I had really? someone once when you, tell when me, you told me this, this made me fe- I, 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 this made me furious. What? Someone, someone I, I was like, yeah, you know, I just don't really like, you know, for me, I'm like, I just, anal sex is just, it's hard. It's complicated. It's, I just don't usually find it to be. You don't enjoy it that pleasurable. Yeah. And the guy said, oh, that's so sad. No, fuck him. And it, it was, it was, it, I honestly don't remember, but I remember I think I know who it was, but I can't put my finger on it. Oh, fuck that. But I remember being really, really mad. And the, the crazy thing is, I kind of belabored it yeah. because I was like, fuck, I was, I was pretty mad at that point. And it, come to find out, he felt a similar way. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's faggots like that. I'm sorry. That's this, the, the use of the word faggot here is appropriate. It's faggots <laughs> like that that literally make existing in the queer community very difficult because they subscribe yeah. their is, own yeah. sort of like, again, toxic masculinity on sort of how we're supposed to be as queer people, when in reality, there are plenty of queer people out there who don't even want to have sex. That's why when Brent, that's why when Brent told me that anecdote, I was so mad on behalf of my friend because to think that somebody would, that Brent would explain a flavor of his, of his life, of of a a piece of his life. And somebody he knows would immediately, would immediately label it as sad is not only unfair, 
but it's yeah. cruel. Why the yeah. fuck are you projecting? Yeah. No, it's a bully yeah, exactly. feeling. Oh, yeah, it's curious. gross. Yeah. And, it's, and, and I think what we need to start talking more about is the other things that we enjoy, especially now. I mean, I have this one friend who he's very sexually active and, and he's one who does love bottoming, but in. Okay, I, I think I think we know who you're talking about. All right, go ahead, Alan. <laughs> no, it's not that one. I can tell you that. Um, but that that he loves having sex, but because of monkeypox and the situation right now and everything that's going on, he is refraining from having penetrative sex and he's refraining from having sex in general. But instead, mm -hmm. he's doing these like weird, not weird. He's doing these things where he'll like show off for guys uh, or, or a couple at in a room or whatever, and they'll jerk mm, off. There'll be no yeah. contact. And he's telling me, and it's so interesting because he's telling me that like, that it's actually really hot for him because yeah. it's weird mm. sort of like, yeah, there's no touching and there's no exchange of fluids, but it's, it's, it's a heightened form of sexuality in a moment where it's difficult to actually have sex and he's liking it. And that I think is so awesome i think that person yeah. is like more evolved sexually but i also think that's we need to have those conversations more that like yeah you know what jerking off with someone that you find really hot or jerking with someone off or having yeah. where you're just doing oral sex or whatever all of those things equate to that a sexual counts. encounter that yeah. can be fulfilling yeah what's Alan, crazy is that in the article dm me that guy's name uh go ahead elliot <laughs> in the article they talk about a study in 2011 but it was a study at a, a george mason university where they surveyed 25,000 guys who were identified as gay or bi and found that only 35% of them had had participated in penetrative sex in their last encounter. Three quarters of those men said they preferred kissing oral and basically anything that was not butt sex, which yeah. is, you know, fascinating. And so I think the, I, I'm glad that, that, you know, that there is, even, even though it's sort of this shame is baked into it for some bizarre reason. Um, it's good to know that it's a, you know, it's an existing mindset that is obviously popular enough that people are talking about it yeah, yeah. Uh, you know it's funny i thought i saw a guy on hinge i remember seeing someone on hinge recently that had a sideways arrow because you know normally they're like a profile will have an yeah. up arrow or a down arrow which by the way elliot finds very gauche he hates it when people talk about whether they're a top or a bottom on their hinge profile I really love, which i yeah which i love about him oh that's so funny uh, but the side arrow i just assumed that meant both I wasn't, I obviously hadn't even heard oh. of this term, but now I'm like, maybe that means side. I don't know. Maybe I try to Google. It, I do I hope that it. we get to a point where we can treat sort of like anal sex as like a trip to cheesecake factory, where it's like one of those things that you don't, <laughs> you don't do often. It's like a rare thing, but you get excited for when you do, and you have to get prepared for it. And it's like a whole moment of like, we're going to the cheesecake factory, and, you by, know, by the way, sex. Li listeners, can you tell that Elliot Allen and I are going tomorrow <laughs> to the cheesecake factory? To get dinner together. It's all about the bread. Brown bread. <laughs> That's a thing for anal sex too. Brown bread. <laughs> Not even joking. We're here with Robbie Couch. Uh, Robbie is uh, an, an author, primarily of YA. Um, Young adult, Elliot. Fiction. Not everyone's hip. Uh, Oh, that's right. Not everyone is hip. Young adult. Young adult know, fiction. Right. Um, yeah. Welcome, welcome to uh, our show, Robbie. It's so nice to have you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And young adult is confusing for a lot of people. I think because adults in there, they're like, is it for adults? Is it for teens? It is for adults for as kids, well. For kids. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely. What, what is YA? It's basically teenagers. I think it's officially 12 and up or 13 and up, but in I get a, a lot of readers that are, you know, a lot of 50 year old gay men in my DMs talking well, so, about the book. So the, I think a lot of people. I, I think of young adult as like boxcar children. Oh, that's uh, children. That's children. That's children? 
That's so young, so young adult is older. Yeah, boxcar children yeah. is like it's just like a bunch of orphans in a box like in a train in a band. It sounds train. like a horror film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's intense. <laughs> right, but, All right. Anyway. But I mean, but young adult fiction has like become a huge, especially queer young adult fiction has become a huge uh, market these past few years. I think because like. What was it? The the fault in the stars. What was who who wrote who wrote that? John. Yeah, John Michael, Green. Yeah. John Green. John Michael Green. Crichton. And the Green. I mean, <laughs> so sad that he's dead. John he Green's not dead. Michael Crichton's dead. Um, right. but John Green. The fault in the stars. Like the past few years, it's like there's been this huge push for like YA. Yeah. But I'm more interested in like queer YA because that's its own genre and it's for massive. sure. I know. No, you're absolutely. Absolutely right. I feel like there has been somewhat of an explosion, both in terms of books and novels that are in the YA space, but then also we've kind of seen this like pipeline to streaming platforms and stuff as well for yeah. based off of YA series. Never have um, I ever. Love, yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, Love Victor, of course, came mm -hmm. from Love Simon, which pisses me um, off. Love Victor sucks. I'm sorry, guys. It <laughs> Love Victor oh, wow. pisses me off on so many levels, but continue. Mm. Okay, <laughs> I won't go there. I won't go there. But, um, I don't know anything about it, but yeah, yeah, and yeah. No, it's great. And I think it's in part because Gen Z is just more, well, I shouldn't say inherently more inclusive, but we've seen just a shift in attitudes among teenagers. And it's it's kind of nuts. A lot of my readers will be straight girls and straight boys who are still reading queer YA just because it doesn't yeah. doesn't phase them that they would read a book that centers a queer perspective, which is pretty mm. neat. Yeah. Um, of course, I'm not like writing for straight teenagers necessarily, but it's cool if they want to read it too. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think we've seen kind of the the demographics being more accepting of queer stories for younger folks, and so that's in large part why you see publishers kind of feeding that demand more. And and yeah, there's been many more queer YA books published in the past few years. I, I'm curious if that like if that was around when we were teenagers, because I, I remember like I was still closeted, but as a kid, I would sort of tiptoe my way to the like. LGBT section when I thought nobody was looking, but there was just a lot of lesbian erotica, right. a lot of lesbian yes. erotica. And there wasn't anything that I could find that was like close to what you do. I'm yeah. sure, I guess, I guess it maybe it existed, but there was, um, there was, there was. There yeah, was. I would say there, there was, but it was, it was, I feel like a lot of the queerness was, um, kind of coded in the stories a lot more. It wasn't yeah. as explicit. It wasn't as mainstreamed and commercialized. Yeah. Like there's writers like uh, David Levithan, for example, who's had like get queer kids in his books for decades now, mm -hmm. but there wasn't necessarily like a, an official queer YA genre that they lived under, even though they were out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, I think there were, but it, they were, I think accessibility is a big part, right? So if you're you from a small town in the middle of nowhere are you going to have those books available at your school or at your you know city mm -hmm. library probably not or um or even in big cities like a, a lot of the time those sorts of stories weren't necessarily commercialized in a mainstream way mm -hmm. um and there wasn't kind of that official genre of like lgbtqia that there is now yeah. um, also was is like wild. in like queer like in of our generation Elliot, what, like what you're talking about it wasn't really ya it was more there was a lot of like horror and fantasy queerness that was I, a, like christopher mm -hmm. rice's books a lot of those lived within sort of like the fantasy element and i think it sort of it was allowed in that space because it was fantasy <clears throat> you could get crazy and of course someone's gonna be gay because it's a fantasy <laughs> i i I still remember my, uh, I had a friend in college who uh, was bi-curious and she discovered this, uh, she discovered this like 
series of lesbian erotica books yeah. that I remember buying one. Uh, I think it was called the Hadra and it was about a roaming band of lesbian warriors, which I just thought oh, was like, so exactly like the lesbian dream, <laughs> <laughs> like powerful, independent, like uh, combative women, uh, sort of, uh, you know, traipsing around a, a post-apocalyptic world and, and killing men was, was isn't, pretty isn't much Isn't the, the Hedra, is that like a, a multi-headed monster? Is that a uh, Greek? I, I don't know. I know. I know what you're saying. I this book that was not this book. Yeah. Um, but but yes, yes, there. Are, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, Robbie, how did you find your way to doing to writing YA fiction? Because you yeah. started in media, uh, uh, I believe. Yeah. My my background was a little bit more in. I I would never consider myself like an actual journalist, but journalism adjacent. <laughs> like I wrote for <laughs> HuffPost, and I was a writer at Upworthy for a while, and. Um, my intern at the Oprah magazine, which was a whole other, that's for another episode. I was going to say, no, we can make that this <laughs> okay, episode. Okay. Yeah. Well, there, I, I, did find a fun I did find a fun anecdote about you having to hand deliver a dress to Gail, which is Alan's oh, yeah. dream come true. Yeah, I watch Gail every single morning. Yeah, um, love I, Gail. Yeah, that was probably the most terrifying half hour to an hour of my life like holding something that would go on gail king's body on like yellow the dirty oh new york city subway and not knowing if i was going to make it i was also brand new to like living in new york so i didn't even know like what direction i was going like it was such yeah. a the fact that yeah. i was able to hand it off to i don't know if it was her assistant or whoever and like live to see another the day was just it made my summer <laughs> so, was the dress yeah. yellow that's what i really want to know that, oh, that it's a good question you know, I don't even remember the color because I was so just like out of my mind, just yeah. hoping that I would survive the occasion. So I don't remember the color. I but, purchased uh, a yeah. bag, just so you know, because it's yellow with the thought of Gail King in mind. Like okay. I spent thousands of dollars on a right. bag because of Gail King. I'm just saying. Thousands of dollars? Wait, yes. what? Yes, yes, it was. Where, a, where did bag. you buy this bag? Brent, some designer bags are in the thousands. Um, many. Oh, okay. So... Lots of two. Did you go to Target? To, where'd you get it? Not got it at Prada. It's a big bag. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Brent has no concept of luxury. <laughs> Why? Why would I? Why? I love how you you guffaw at me for not buying three thousand dollar yellow bags. <laughs> What is this curious yeah, George? I got Give it me a because, break. because Gail loves the color yellow. She like literally yellow is her thing. Yeah. Whole mood. Alan, yeah. I support you. Thank you. <laughs> I support you. You can rock it. And yeah. the heels she would wear around the office. I remember consistently being impressed by these like five, six inch heels. I was just praying she wouldn't shatter her ankle every day. Yeah. yeah. But oh, she was, boy. I will say she was so nice. I was just an intern there. She was, she knew our names. I don't know if oh, she would great. She was very, very nice to the staff. So I will I will give her a yeah, shout Yeah, so out. what was your experience like at O Magazine? Did you have a good time or was it- you Meet Oprah? A little too intense. Yeah, no, it was good. It was it was interesting. It was sort of in that pre, um, like, you know, there was the wave of, was it at Condé Nast where all the lawsuits happened with the yeah. unpaid internships? Oh, okay. So it was like right before that. So I was definitely struggling, <laughs> struggling financially, unpaid internship, right. living in Manhattan for a summer. So that side of it was a little rough, but- sure. um, the experience itself was great. It was also the summer where um, Oprah was launching the OWN network. So I was so oh, excited to like- Wow, that's a good summer. Her. 
I know, but the downside to that was that she was never around because of it. Like, I think she would oh, usually me. stop in at least like once every week or couple weeks or something, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, I just I never got to see her because she was mm. building a literal TV network. So yeah, um, that was a downside. But no, overall, it was a great experience, though. That's great. That's and great. how did you get to like writing the YA fiction from? Oh, right. That was your original question. Sorry. Yes. So I just, I kind of hit a moment where I was really grateful for the work that I got to do, but I wasn't necessarily doing the sort of queer storytelling that I just, that really excited me and I wanted to write more fiction. So um, while I was writing at Upworthy, this would have been in 2015, 2016, I just finally was like, you know what, I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to try to come up with an original uh, manuscript and really like dive in here and see if I if I can do it and I wrote the sky blues which was my first book over the course of the next three-ish years or so like 2016 to 2019 um, and it just worked out I got a literary agent and a publisher that was interested and um, yeah it's pretty wild I wanted to be an author since I was in mm-hmm. like fourth grade so it was it's been a wild two years to finally be like all right this, yeah things are happening so it's yeah did you write the book? Was it just an organic story to write, you know, queer um, YA fiction? Or did you have to like, did you choose a genre or did you sort of fall into yeah. what felt the most natural to you? That is a good question because I didn't, I didn't start with the genre. I wasn't thinking from a like marketing and marketability standpoint. I was sort of just kind of drawn to the story, but the yeah. story itself was so, so, so dramatically different. And I don't know if you could just fault my internalized homophobia or what, but originally I had a straight girl as my protagonist. Um, and I think because I just hadn't seen, I hadn't read a lot of queer YA growing up to the point where we're just talking about, there just it wasn't accessible to a lot of us growing up. And so to imagine myself writing a book that I never had when I was younger just didn't seem as feasible. So yeah. I think I defaulted to having a straight girl main character I was actually talking to an author friend in that time period where I was kind of figuring out what the plot was going to be and, and how the story would go. And he kind of pushed back on that and was just sort of like, isn't that your whole shtick though? Like queer representation and like what you're fighting for? Like, why would you have a book mm-hmm. that centers a straight character? And it really challenged me to rethink like how I was going to approach the story. So, um, and then, yeah, from there, it was just a, not a lot of finagling the, the story and a lot of terrible ideas. Some did, good ideas. Did you ever get, did you ever, ever send it to someone, the manuscript, the, your agent or who, or friends and get like totally off the wall notes? Did someone ever say yeah. something that just kind of like blew That's your a mind? Good question. Thank yeah. you, Alan. Thank yeah. you so much. That is a good question. It was a good question. I wish I had a more exciting answer. <laughs> yeah, right. I didn't because I was terrified to have anyone read it. So I sent yeah. it out to... My, my agent was the first person who actually read it and, and liked it enough to represent me. So, and I, if there's any aspiring authors out there, that is not a good idea. I feel like it's a great idea to have people read it, like whether it's your yeah, friends right. or trusted writers or anyone to give you feedback. I think that's the way to go. Yo, I King was just maybe. so terrified. Yeah, okay, send something to Gail King. <laughs> yeah, Wait, yeah. So there's like a, one thing that fascinates me about sort of the publishing industry right now, especially around queer stories is in children's books, anything queer is definitely like, it gets the right up in arms, like people get crazy, drag queen story out, mm-hmm. people fight against, I mean, it's a big thing. Whenever queer and children's books come together, it's like people freak out. For sure. But you don't hear that so much in the YA space. Like you don't hear sort of like attacks from the right in the YA space. Has anyone 
gone your way because of the books you write and like do you know of like sort of the right coming after YA novelists yeah I would say I mean yeah I, I do think there have been a handful of YA books that have gotten caught up in like the attempts to book ban and, and the right-wing activists I have been I've been called a groomer probably on Twitter every single day in the past year I mean it's nuts there's been a really big influx of of right-wing hate being targeted towards um, or targeting um, queer children's authors, queer YA teachers. authors, especially. Yeah, of course, teachers, librarians. And it's it's really, it's scary. It's awful. And every time I hear a story about like a local librarian standing up or a teacher like fighting back, I just get so like- Well, I mean, like honestly I'm, though, in, in their defense, librarians and teachers are very scary people. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah, very yeah. powerful. Dangerous, yeah. scary, power like, hungry. librarians, like librarians at local public libraries are actually terrifying because they <laughs> often don't give a fuck. Like they will like, right. they're, not, they're not here to amuse you. They're here to give you your book. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. know. Yeah, but they're not dangerous. And that, they're not dangerous. Know, the grooming they're not dangerous. I love, it is I love that they're all like badass in that way. Yeah, I know. But I, I get I get why it would be such a disincentive to, you know, have a pride display in the library or even like have a featured oh queer God, book out yeah. because you're just inviting that criticism. And and it sort of has had a chilling effect on a lot of schools and um, and like local libraries when, you know, there's that right wing activism targeting targeting librarians and schools. I mean, it's it's really sad. I mean, the upside to that is that it's like we're seeing this backlash because we've had progress, right? It's like mm -hmm. we, two steps forward, one step back. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really important now more than ever for more queer authors to be writing queer stories and to be really not shying away from that and embracing it and, and leaning into it instead. But um, yeah, it, it is wild. That is sort of the, the targeting, the weaponization that we've seen from the right on this on this issue. Wow. Well, I guess in retro, um, in opposition to that, do you have a fandom? Because obviously, like teenagers can get really passionate oh, yeah. about the things yeah. they love. Do you, you have a fandom? People, people like dressing up as characters from your books. Because oh that's my gosh, there that has was, to be an element of that. There was, there has been some. It, there was a little, a little trend that happened, which was so cute. I didn't, I didn't intend for it to happen or anything. But the cover, I should have. See, this is when it sucks that I'm moving apartments and I have nothing that I usually have on my desk that I can show you. But I usually will have my books, and I could show you the cover of this guy blues that has Sky Baker sitting on a truck in the school parking lot, and he has a unicorn hoodie on. And there was a little bit of a trend of people like taking that same photo on the top of their cars and posting oh, it, which wow. was very cute. Yeah. You know, definitely like I was, yeah, like truly brought a tear to my eye every time I saw someone do yeah. that. Um, so there was, yeah, there was really fun, cute stuff like that. Um, there was also like an element in uh, the Sky Blues where they have shirts that say like gay for, and then depending on the person, you like fill in what you're gay for. And it could be mm. literally anything like, I'm gay for noodles. I'm gay for footlong. What yeah, exactly? Yeah. 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 And so a lot of people kind of Jimmy jumped John. on that bandwagon. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like made their own shirts and stuff. So yeah, that's been wild to see. Cause it's it's so weird to have a story that's just lived in your your brain and your brain yeah. alone for three years. Oh yeah. Oh and yeah. And to see people responding to it, even if it, you know, I don't, I'm not a, a massive author by any means, but even the number of writer or the number of readers that have read the sky blues and have responded to it has just been like just wild so uh yeah 
It's funny you say that because we also have fans doing cosplay of Elliot, actually. They wear a harness and a little yeah. hat that says unhinged. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's it's right. really not cool. That's true, Robbie. We love all of those pictures that people send in. <laughs> I love, my favorite thing about Elliot is that Alan and I will make hyperbolic jokes about Elliot's promiscuity. We, we dub it that he's unhinged. And he always says not true when it's so so farcical that no one in the world would ever believe it. And it, like, I'll, I'll talk about how he got like fucked on a rooftop or whatever, or fucked down a flight of stairs. And he's like, that's not true. It's like, no one believes that. No one believes it. Oh my God, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> um, real quick, you are also from Michigan. I'm from Ann Arbor. And uh, oh, I nice. saw uh, Elliot, I think, put in the spreadsheet that you're from Clio, Michigan, which is greater metropolitan flint yes oh, flint. yeah ann arbor is wonderful such a lovely such a highlight on the michigan of, of michigan i would say um yeah i'm from clio which i'll do the annoying thing and raise my hand and yeah, point to where i'm from um, yeah. outside of flint, flint right? um yeah which is really interesting to have been from the flint area post the water crisis because yeah. now that's right. like literally the only thing anyone yeah. asks as soon as they say i'm from outside of flint um, so that's been fun. But um, yeah, it's a great state. I was just back that I went to Chicago for a wedding and then spent a week uh, with my family up in near Traverse City and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I, it, I love it. Literally everyone in Michigan in August just goes to yeah. a lake somewhere north. It's got to be at least two hours. Sometimes it's eight hours north. <laughs> nothing. There's nothing to do. Yeah, uh, It's very boring. But I literally saw two friends this weekend who were like, oh, I just came back from my parents' northern Michigan cottage. You're like, all right. <laughs> yeah, I was like very in my feelings making these like dramatic, like melancholy, like TikTok videos of like scenes from my trip up there and everything. I was yeah. like, what am I yeah. doing? But it yeah. does bring out that side of you. You're like, oh, of course. like, yeah, it, it's nice. I, like, yeah. I love it. Well, Robbie, I think a perfect last question for you, inspired by your book, would be, what are you gay for? Oh, what am I gay for? It's got to be well, good. Well, I already the said. Last question, make it good. <laughs> I'm gay for a lot of things. Um, I would, so my go-to would be noodles, which I already said because I'm a sure. pasta freak. Um, what else am I gay for? Um, I'm gay for sunsets. I'm okay. Oh, yeah. a, okay. a, a good uh, a good mustache. If a guy okay. has a good mustache, oh, that's yeah. great. That's okay. a great eyebrows are important to me. Oh, interesting. Great, but, bushy, yeah. bushy or slim? Bushy. Oh, or I'm slim. pro bushy. Yeah. If you have bushy wow. eyebrows, yeah. Wow. If you have bushy Verbal. eyebrows, you're already at like a eight eight out of a ten. Bushy eight out of a ten. What is it about eyebrows? Wow. I've never heard someone having a thing for eyebrows, and I love that. Yeah, well, it's, you know, I don't know. You're have to, gonna ask my like inner psyche here, but huh. it's in the first, I, eyebrows are mentioned in the first paragraph of my first oh, book. Oh, wow, yeah. And um, people kind of know me Easter as, egg. The eyebrow, as the eyebrow That's like, now. It, that's, I mean, that's like me with uh, diastema, like the, the gap teeth. <laughs> I, I love oh, it. I can't, yeah. I can't shake it. Wait, uh, yeah. With, with, yeah. Wait, I have to ask. Diastema is when someone diastema. has, Elliot has the scientific term for when someone has a gap in their front teeth. Yeah. He Why don't you just it? say gap? Hi, it's funny. And diastema sounds funny. Yeah. Yeah. Totally sounds more official. Yeah. So you exactly. you love you love a guy. Wait, you love a guy with a very thick, cohesive unibrow from like a unibrow? Like well, a full solid no. unibrow, three well, inches up from up the forehead. I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on unibrow. Although okay. you know what? Never say that. that never uh, say never. Wait, I, 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 that I'm into. We're gonna I get have, hate. We're gonna I, get I hate to, from someone. Who has I have unibrow. to ask. 
if you had to choose between these two people, um, Eugene Levy or Sam Donaldson? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, okay. That's, that's an easy one. That's an easy one. Actually. Oh, man. Easy no, it's one. I don't not not for Robbie. It might not be easy. I would probably probably Eugene. I, oh, okay. wow. But I feel you like know, most people maybe. I feel like most people don't instantly. I mean, we do because we're weird, but I feel like most people don't instantly recognize Sam Donaldson anymore. Yeah, no, I don't think so. It did take my brain a minute, but yeah. yeah. But Eugene yeah. Levy yeah. is a front different. of mind. Yeah. Of course, of course. He's had a great career. Well, yeah. Robbie, where and can thank you so much for joining us? Where can people yeah. find you on the internet? Where can they find your book? Thank you for having me. This has been a delight. Um, yeah, just find me at Robbie Couch basically on all the platforms. And then I'll usually have a link to where you can buy my book in, in my bio. So yeah, come say okay. hi, follow me, and buy my book, please. So Sounds I can be around. Great. Sounds great. Thanks so much, man. Um, thanks, Robbie. Thanks, y'all. And another thing. So, um, I have a question for you guys. Which American? <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> of course you do. Which American region has your favorite climate? <laughs> that is a perfect. Is, for love... our listeners who maybe aren't aware, <laughs> that is a perfect and classic Elliot Glazer question and <laughs> that Elliot is so concerned and his answer actually shocked me yeah he's me so too. concerned he's so concerned with heat and feeling uncomfortable heat. that he will give up a free trip somewhere because it's too hot yeah oh he's, absolutely I would but he he doesn't go to certain bars on certain days yeah he he, he used to he used to have the MTA, which was the, you know, the agency that did the train <laughs> system in New York City on his speed dial so he could call to complain about lack of air conditioning. I forgot, I forgot about that. Yeah. He, oh, uh, wait. Oh, he had a backup. The CrossFit gym, he used to yeah. leave Yelp reviews under different <laughs> accounts at his CrossFit gym to lower yeah. the temperature. Yeah. He had a backup, a spare backup <laughs> air conditioner when he yeah. lived in New York in a small apartment. In the off chance the air conditioner that was in his window stopped working one night, <laughs> he would be able to replace it within that moment. Like that I mean, minute. Thank, thank God I did because Wait. it came in handy when I needed it. Well, yeah, yeah. But Elliot, then what is your, you should yeah. start because yours well, I, I have problems with. I picked New England yeah. because I find that, well, here's the thing. Initially, when I was thinking about this question, I was thinking, where is it not humid? Humidity kills me more than even a dry heat. I can deal yeah. with a dry heat, but yeah. I, I think ultimately for me, New England, when it's crisp and clear, and especially in the autumn, like that is yes. absolute perfection. But yeah. if you live there, you'd have that. to deal I with humidity with in like the summertime, right? Isn't it humid in New it's England? It's not really, it doesn't really get that humid. I mean, I, I grew up on Long Island, which does get awful, awful yeah. humidity. And in the city, it's it's just as humid and it's genuinely oh, like it genuinely ruins my life. It ruins my life. I mean, it ruins my, my I, it, nothing makes me more uncomfortable. And I think New England just has that perfect mix. And mm -hmm. fall is just perfect there. Autumn, fall, the autumn fall is weather. Fall in New fall England is fall and winter. I mean, where fall is. I guess I chose New England because of the fall. But if there were a place that felt like autumn all year round, that would be ideal for me. Well, that's why that's I right. chose. And Alan had a, had a very similar answer. Yeah. Uh, I, I haven't visited San Francisco really much in the last, I, I haven't even gone in the last 10 years, really? but the way people describe the weather there is yeah. exactly what I like, which is, it is pretty amazing. dreary, rainy sixties, <laughs> yeah. mostly all year round. And like, yeah. that is my fucking dream. I also, for what it's worth, Seattle sounds great. And like San, San Diego is right. Like downtown is right mm -hmm. on the ocean. So it is very cool. 
uh, or, you know, you get that cool breeze, especially at night, even in the summer. So like I could, I mean, I could make San Diego work. Um, yeah, <laughs> I have, that's I, the, that's the best. I can make San Diego work Brent's <laughs> by Brent Sullivan. I, I get the new England answer. Cause I love, I mean, new England for me, if I, if I had money and could live anywhere without having to worry about work or anything, New England would be a wonderful place to live because you get four seasons. But if you're so mm. rich, you don't ever have to deal with the heat or the cold because you have like a great car to say, you know what I mean? Like you have, oh, yeah. you, you could avoid it. But if I, the urbanite in me, the person who loves living in big cities, I wouldn't want to live in the Pacific Northwest because it's a little too rainy. It's a little too, a little too rainy. It's a little rainy too, and but dreary. San Francisco, I've spent a lot of time in San Francisco, you know, for mm. like working there for a month here, a month there, like doing things. San Francisco to me is the perfect climate because it's one of those cities where sure there are there are short short periods where it gets really hot but it's one of those cities where during the day it can be gloomy but you can still get a sunburn because the sun's coming through the cloud yeah. but you don't yeah. feel the heat necessarily and then at nighttime you need that coat or sweater because it can become yeah freezing in like july very, yeah very cold it's very yeah, strange honestly I love LA, having moved to, to downtown la the best neighborhood in the world uh <laughs> has made such a difference because there's so if you get shade in la even when it's 90 degrees it's not yeah. that bad yeah uh, mm -hmm. and downtown has a pretty steady has pretty robust breeze i'll be quite frank with you yeah. well the breeze uh, does come with syringes and diapers <laughs> and crack cocaine you're in yeah yeah I, I actually did leave my apartment the other day at like nine in the morning and i was walking somewhere and there was a guy smoking crack in the Oof. middle of the sidewalk oh my god <laughs> you, you asked him on a date right you guys are now yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 we're we're yeah. Well, he's gonna meet us at, at uh cheesecake. cheesecake factory tomorrow yeah i just think i don't know i I do love, I, I think I like San Francisco. Their weather there is great, but there's just something about like the, like Massachusetts in the summer where it never gets too hot. I don't know. There's just a respite there that mm, I feel like, yeah. and I, I, I mean, obviously I love, I, I do really like LA and I've always laughed at Brent saying there's too much sun. There's too much sun. It's like, yes, yeah, it's, it's LA. However, the, the humidity this year, it, this, there's never been humidity in in California like in like this in LA. Yeah. It has been it's spiritually been destructive to me, it's bad, yeah. and it's the first time that I think I've really uh, I've had like Brent's uh, POV sort of sneak up well, on me where I'm like too much sun, not enough shade, and the humidity is destructive. One yeah. of the reasons why I so I have like. I, I get chronic hives, especially when it's really, really humid and hot, like crazy hot, humid. That is the dorkiest and thing you've ever. I know, said in your life. I know, but it's so true. Hot. And I get the worst hives when it's humid, and which is why, like when I was a kid in Missouri, it's the worst humidities in Missouri. Yeah. Like, and in New York, even I would get hives all the time because it would be in the summertime because it was so humid. And here, I've never really gotten hives. Never. Yeah. This is the first year that I've gotten hives, and like it's been annoying. Oh, I don't feel like the humidity is that much worse this year than it has been the last oh i do years. it's bad oh, really it's bad you're, yeah. you're in a breezy neighborhood it is on the east well, side it's oh. it's 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 really it's really been it's, it's been so bad that i've been like going to the beach uh, like uh, purposely like pretty often because yeah. like i need to escape the, the humidity yeah that's well, taking it too far that's taking it too far maybe it's time to move to where the, there, <laughs> there's always shade on one side of the street and there's always a syringe around the corner, <laughs> downtown Los Angeles. What would your aunt say? Brent, what would your Aunt Ramona say? 
say about something she heard on today's podcast. I have one thing to say in regards to your opening segment about anal penetration. <laughs> TMI. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think my aunt Joanne would say, "Don't move to the Pacific North. Don't move to the Pacific." <laughs> Don't move to the Pacific North. Oh my God, forget oh, it. No. <laughs> Don't move to the Pacific Northwest. There's no Jews in Seattle. Uh, <laughs> is that true? I, I'm sure there my, are. My, oh, my actual sure Aunt Gail some. is like, there's no Jews here. And if there are Jews, they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> oh my God. I've tried, to say, I've tried to say stuff to these Jews. They know nothing. That's what oh, people say about my... LA Jews though, too. To be fair. Oh my God. <laughs> How about Aunt Anne? My Aunt Anne would say, I'll tell you one thing that I'll go gay for. Chocolate. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll see you guys at the Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, see you at the Cheesecake Factory. Thank you so much for listening, each and every one of you all. We appreciate it with our whole hearts and souls. We love you. <laughs> He's like Trump on the day of the insurrection. <laughs> Now go home. Go home. Go home. We love you. He's such an idiot. <laughs>